Hello and welcome back to It's Symbolic, where we are preparing for takeoff. I'm Jacob Savage. I'm here. I'm Ben. That's right. Make sure that your tray tables are up and your seat back is in the full upright position. Because we are going on a little trip this episode. Our ETA is... I, I don't know enough plain lingo to keep doing this routine. Somebody you don't know enough plain lingo to give a unit of time measurement. That's what you were on, in case you didn't know. Like, oh, you could have said, like, there's hours, there's, like, minutes, there's days. That'd be, like, a fun a fun thing to say, like, it's gonna be a several day-long plane ride, because, like, that's ridiculous. Can't yeah. even have enough fuel to do that. Mm. I mean, not with that attitude, you can't. I don't even remember what the longest plane ride I was on was. I've flown transatlantic Mine... a couple of times. That's probably it. Mine was to Japan, which was like 18 hours or something. Mine was to Japan, which was like 18 hours or something. That wasn't really funny. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry on your behalf that you asked that. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest. You know what felt longer than any of those? Oh, boy. Watching this goddamn movie. <laughs> This was oh boy! This was quite a this, movie. It, it was something, all right. If all of our technical aviation speak hasn't tipped you off, we're talking about a Nicolas Cage movie, the one, the only, the famous Con Air. So, uh, I have to admit, before watching it now, yeah, I had no idea what the movie was really about. I knew it was a Nick Cage movie. Uh, I knew the name was Con Air. And I knew that they, that he had long golden locks in it. <laughs> yeah. So, given that information, all I could really attempt to piece together was like, okay, well, Con Air is like a, a hair care line also. Oh, true. Maybe, but I sort of dismissed that. At the same time, it's like, well, I didn't have anything else to fill in the gaps. So for all I knew... No, I I like that. It's a good way of looking at it. Just, you use the context clues that you were given, and you came up with an entertaining and unique solution. We're very proud of you. Well, I mean, I didn't really come up with a whole lot of meat there. It's just the sort of... It was just like a couple of key words, and I don't necessarily yeah, know well, how you piece you them together. ran a Google search and based things off of what the first couple of results were. Anyway, Con Air. Con Air is not something that I would expect someone to make a movie about, because Con Air is a real thing. It's not officially called Con Air, but a lot of people call it that, mostly due to this movie. Not really something you think about. The Justice Prisoner and Alien Transport System. J-PATS for short, because that makes sense. That's not so catchy. Yes. Well, you know how prisoners are just like anyone else. They need to get from place to place. Namely, from prison to prison. And how do we do it? Through J-PATS. And someone looked at this and thought that it would make a good idea for a movie. There's... Not a huge ton of background for the production of this film. It was the first credit for director Simon West, in addition to screenwriter Scott Rosenberg. It was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, who by this point had already made a name for himself by doing, like, Flashdance and Top Gun. And this was actually his Mm. first film... That he produced without his partner, Dick Richards. I'm going to break off. I'm going to form my own company. And I'm going to make a movie where Nicolas Cage has a mullet. (laughs) I mean, it's what we deserve. True. Like I said, not a lot to say about the production. A lot of my research just turned up information on the individual planes that were used for the movie. Ah, oh, cool. That'd be a fun topic of conversation if we just tried to talk about, like, plane tech. Yeah, I mean, 
it's not an accurate portrayal of the legitimate system, but Wikipedia has a full list of the aircraft used in the film. If you want to know <laughs> anything about... How... I did not know that there was such a subculture that was so involved with plane models. Yeah, I mean, there is. It, the only real bits I could find about production, aside from the standard, oh, such and such almost played the lead. And I'm pretty sure, of course, Tom Cruise was almost in this movie. But apparently, the script was constantly being rewritten on the spot, so some of the actors had no idea how their characters would turn out during filming, <sighs> which is always a sign of a great production. And someone died while making this movie. Oh, no. Yeah, the one of the plane models got one of the special effects guys, and the film is actually dedicated in his memory. It, like I said, not a ton of background, unless you really like planes, in which case I apologize for not getting enough into it. Let's just get this over with. Let's talk about Con Air. All right. Now, well, what year you? Oh, yes. It? This was released in 1997, June 6th. So... All right, I was yeah, there. Yeah, we, we were all there. We weren't there at the premiere, but we were in existence at the time. Army Rangers have a proud history. Since the 1700s, Rangers have led the way in every major confrontation in which the United States has been involved. You men are credit to that fine heritage, and I'm sorry to see you go. But you've served your country well, and you've displayed the ability to fight on to the Ranger objective and complete its mission. Never leaving behind a fallen comrade, no matter what the odds or the enemy. I thank you. America thanks you. And I wish you luck wherever you go. And remember, Rangers lead This film, away. as mentioned, stars Nicolas Cage with a mullet and thank a God. fantastic southern accent. <laughs> yeah, we have a real... It's symbolic all-star lineup on this one, I think. Yeah, we do. Cage plays Cameron Poe, who has just gotten discharged from the army, because... Yeah, I told everyone once I immediately started watching it, and one of the first images it presented was Nicolas Cage in military regalia, that I basically lost it on the spot. It tells you what kind of movie you're going to get into, like, right away. Admittedly, he's in full military regalia, but he's leaving. He just took the uniform with him. He likes wearing it. It makes him feel powerful. He, he looks good in it. Yeah. I mean, he wears it well. God, he does. He meets up following his discharge with his wife, Trisha, played by Monica Potter, who is pregnant and working at a bar. Always a great combination. Right off the bat, these three jackasses decide that mocking the soldier is a bright idea. Like, you know, this woman who we're being creeps towards has a husband and he is currently wearing a military uniform. Yeah, he seems like a wuss. If I saw Nick Cage, if I saw Nick Cage in a military uniform, I would definitely not be inclined to believe that that was his. I would think he's at like a costume party or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't bother him anyway. Like, no, you're not... No, no, this isn't real. They really don't think that it's real, as they try to jump him and his wife with a knife. As you do. Even if it, I didn't think he was a soldier, he's Nick Cage. I'm not going to attack Nick Cage with a knife. Yeah. Even if he's spouting... Well, we don't have reason to. Even if he's spouting the most hokey nonsense, you can tell that whoever wrote this movie is not from the South. There are a lot of idioms that do, you do say that as a, not make sense. Do you say that as a true Southerner yourself? I say that as someone that understands the English language. All right, fair enough. Admittedly, if you say it 
with enough passion in a southern accent, you can make anything an idiom. Well, what do you know? That just sharpens my pencil. How about that? Food for thought. Hummingbird. Break out the fine china, chill the lemonade, tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. Because this boy's coming home to his ladies. Coming home forever. Nicholas Cage is not only a soldier, but a soldier who has had special training. I believe he specifically stated as... So a soldier. Yeah, he's an army ranger. And he gets the knife, and he kills one of the guys. They run off and take the knife with them. So... (laughs) He's just left at the scene with this dead body, and the judge, despite the fact that he's pleading guilty and could easily fall under self-defense charges, sentences him to no less than ten years in a maximum security prison because he was in the army and therefore dangerous. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. In in the courtroom, they're like, you're basically a human weapon. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I think when I see him. The Nicolas Cage jokes are going to fly fast and freely with this episode, I can tell. He he isn't. He's not a weapon. He's America's sweetheart. He is. I, would, I can never say that about him. Hmm. As the years pass, we get a montage of letters where Nick Cage keeps fit and... He get, he's getting ripped. Yeah, he's getting ripped. He's, like, doing push-ups in a lotus position. And... He's getting cultured, too. He's learning Spanish. Apparently, people just slip him things through the bars. I don't know why. Mostly their buddies. <laughs> While he is in prison, his wife has a daughter named Casey. And even though they decide not to have her meet him while he's in prison, Poe just adores little Dear Casey. Daddy, I started today at the Little Sunshine Day Care Center. My teacher is Miss Gordon. She is nice. We go to playtime and we all have to hold hands when we walk there. Dear Casey, it was so good to read your letter. I'm glad you like your teacher. We don't exactly have a playtime like you. We do go outside, though, but normally we don't hold hands. She is his reason for living, and they cite her as the prime example why he rehabilitates himself and gets paroled after eight years in prison. During these eight years, he makes a black best friend. Kelty Williamson as Mike O'Dell, known as Baby-O. Why didn't he get a cool, like, uh, prisoner nickname? Because Cameron Poe's a dope-ass name as is. Yeah, but it's, it's no, like, Diamond Dog or Pinball or something like that. Yeah. As it turns out, the day that Poe is to be released is Little Casey's birthday. And along with his things that he packs when he's ready to go, he packs a little bunny just for her. I don't know where he got it in prison. Maybe he should I would, check to make sure that thing's not... I would assume, like, the commissary, they would probably have, like, gifts for family members of mm. the prisoners. I mean, fair. I don't know too well how that works the most experience I have on this front is that I read The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I'm not at liberty to speak about my own prison experience. (laughs) It's it's a bit of a rocky subject, legally. Isn't that the cutest thing you ever heard? Yeah, man. Hey, now, what is it? I can't see my little daughter on her birthday without bringing her a gift now, can I? Yeah, man, but that's a bunny rabbit. It's all right, I mean, she'll like it, right? I mean, what, it's either this or a tube of toothpaste and two packs of palm oils at no, the canteen. That's the present. Part of his oh, parole, he is going to catch a ride on the prison transport system, along with a bunch of other cons, including Baby-O, to Alabama, which doesn't make sense because they don't end up anywhere near Alabama. All of the major parties end up in the same place at the end of this movie, and it ain't Alabama. It's also brought up here that Baby-O has diabetes. So you know that's going to come up later. That's good screenwriting. We're getting a veritable who's who in regards to who's coming on this plane. So sit back because this movie has so many goddamn characters. The whole system is overseen by U.S. Marshal Vince Larkin. 
played by John Cusack. He's this kind of smarter-than-thou pencil pusher who's being forced to work with a DEA agent, Duncan Malloy, Cole Meany, who has an expensive car with the vanity plate ass-kicker, so that tells you everything you need to know about his character. <laughs> two Zs, baby. Yeah, two Zs. Uh, he has put a DEA agent undercover, played by Jose Zuniga, for whatever reason, I don't recall why they say. Probably something to do with a drug ring. I don't... They they drop it's so too... much out of nowhere and... Get information from a drug lord. Okay, who... good. Good for them. We're very proud. And what use is a prison transport facility without prisoners? Oh, really, we've just got like 10 minutes of the officials naming each of them and telling us what they're in for. So, we've got Billy Bedlam, played by Nick Chinlund, who's this sleazeball who killed his wife's family after he caught her cheating on him. Got Nathan Diamond Dog Jones, played by Ving Rames, who is your very stereotypical black supremacist. Malcolm X was scary, so let's make this a race thing to show that uh, god i i hate how they tackle it in this movie they you would think that a goofy action movie wouldn't be the best place to try to address this yeah this movie is actually kind of really racist it's very racist (laughs) yeah like first 20 minutes alone i want to say that they say the n-word at least five times i think that you were talking to me about how surprised you were that this anti-black sentiment came up in 1990-fucking-seven. It feels like a lot of dialogue that would be several decades before this time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are, like, I want to say three or four major black characters, and none of them talk like anyone. You you can tell that this was just a white guy saying this is how the African Americans oh, talk. Shit, what's up? I thought you were someone else. Timbo Parker, armed robber, arsonist, dope fiend. Well, I'm a hell of a nice guy. Just got caught. Oh shucks. It could have been done a bit better. <laughs> That's a very low bar. In his credit, Diamond Dog did get into prison for bombing an NRA meeting. So, good for him. Got Johnny 23 Baca, who is a serial rapist that nobody likes, not even the other cons, who's played by... You mentioned played by Danny Trejo. Yes, he is. And... Yeah, because it's just sort of like trying to get me to believe that he's some sort of horrible serial rapist. It's sort of like, that's Danny Trejo. He was in Spy Kids. Like, come on. I mean, he played, like, is mass murdering vigilante machete who is canonically the same character as he plays in spy kids yeah but he was in spy kids i know i i i like to think that there's just this danny trejo cinematic universe it's it's still expanding to this day. yes i mean he's going to be in the door of the explorer movie and i'm excited to see how that ties in he is Yes. And you, you know he's going to get fucking Machete is transmogrified into Boots the Monkey some, somewhere along the line. Exactly. <laughs> to be fair, I would pay to see that movie. Well, some of the weird fucking thumb person magic from Spy Kids. Oh my god. if they knew the truth. Yeah, it doesn't have quite the same ring to it. Anyway, I despise rapists. For me, you're somewhere between a cockroach and that white stuff that accumulates at the corner of your mouth when you're really thirsty. But, in your case, I'll make an exception. Since we don't have enough characters yet, we also meet Joe Pinball Parker, who's this this excitable minor con, who's played by Dave Chappelle before he made it big. Oh, really? Yeah. And apparently he improvised most of his dialogue, too, so... I didn't really have the context for where in Chappelle's career this was. Yeah. 
But once again, it's another case where I was like, that's Dave Chappelle. That's not... <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chappelle's show wasn't until 2003, so... Ah. Uh, I should mention, by the way, that I was watching this on Amazon, where when, whenever you move the mouse even a little bit, it shows you, like, here's all the actors who are playing all this. And I gotta <laughs> say, takes you out of the movie a little bit. <laughs> hmm. Well, speaking of actors taking you out of the movie, our main villain is Cyrus the Virus Grissom. God, how many characters are there? So this many. One is played, this one is played by John Malkovich, who hated shooting this movie, but is having the time of his life. And I'll give it's, them it's credit. Like he, always, he always dreamed of being a pilot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to give him credit, everybody in this movie is having the time of their goddamn life. <laughs> There's our cast of characters... Huh, now that we're like, good thing that's all of them. Yeah, good yes, thing now that we're like halfway don't... through the movie, we're actually going to get off the goddamn ground. Where pinball? Good thing there aren't up... any more Pinball's... symbolic darlings that might appear later. <laughs> yeah, they're barely off the ground when pinball just lights a guy on fire. Yeah, <laughs> after like. Yeah, we're treated to a lovely him. scene where he's just, like, regurgitating this oh, yeah, package that sucks. <laughs> gasoline, yeah, and he was... just lights the guy next to him on fire. It was, the the first minutes of the flight are very viscerally unappealing with a combination yes, because... of that and then the other convicts who are in these cages. They don't even get to sit down. They're just forced to stand in these cages. Yes, that's the thing. Like, all and of he's... the lower criminals just get to sit down. It's a nice little flight, which isn't accurate. Like, I looked it up, everyone on the actual flights gets, like, wrist and ankle cuffs, in addition to being cuffed around the waist. And that's Jeez. for starters. So they don't get these nice personal cages like the big the big boys in this movie do? They do not. And it is in these cages the that we are treated to exhibits. some very unpleasant shots. Of some of them I hate it, they're removing... Yeah. Needles from their fingers. Ugh. It's nasty. Awful. I hate it. <laughs> As the riot wages. So, so Dave, Dave is barfing up front. Uh, and we got, we got everyone else fucking ma- making themselves a human pin cushion in back. Yeah. Fun times. Yeah. Meanwhile, Poe's just unfazed by all of this. Just, you know, same he shit as always. He's his wife. He just wants to see his wife and daughter. Come through this all right? Hope you don't hold a grudge. The fuck are you doing? As the riot begins, Pilot sends his co-pilot out with the only gun that's officially on the plane, and he is immediately killed. Way to go, guys. There are several ways you could have handled this, and you chose the worst one. And now John Malkovich has a gun. Things were only going to get worse from there, so maybe it was good to just sort of die right off the bat. (laughs) True. And speaking of which, the DEA agent takes fucking pinball as a hostage to try and keep charge of the situation as he also snuck a gun aboard but john malkovich doesn't care and while poe tries to calm him down the dea agent is killed and poe pretty much ends up endearing himself to cyrus in the process so now several people are dead well i mean it'd be a real awkward flight otherwise like What's worse than getting on a flight and just sort of making things awkward right off the bat? Yeah. And several people are dead. They've locked up the guards. And Cyrus has officially taken control of the plane. Oh. And then he says, welcome to Con Air. And that's when it actually clicked for me, finally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did, you're just like... Like the opposite of pro? I don't... I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> Is I it an know. acronym? Like the hair dryers? I already said the hair dryers. (laughs) I I thought it wasn't up until now, but I didn't know what else it could have been. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. 
I have the only gun on board. Welcome to Con Air. Cyrus's plan is to have the plane go as originally scheduled, where they are going to go to Carson City and pick up a few more prisoners, drop some off. And then they're going to go out to, I want to say the Nevada desert, where they're going to meet with a drug cartel, get another plane, and fly off to extradition. Or non-extradition, rather. They're, they're going to go hit the beach. Yeah. Get a nice suntan. Have a good time. Spring break. <laughs> spring break. Spring break with the cons. They have spring break in prison. Yeah. <laughs> So they reach Carson City. They realize that some of the prisoners that they were going to need to drop off are dead. And more racial slurs are thrown about. Thanks for that, guys. Oh, they try to figure out who to send off. Baby, original... If Cyrus was so good at improvisation, he would have done some Weekend at Bernie's shit here. But <laughs> oh, clearly, shit, yeah, that would have... I, I would be a better criminal mastermind. Yeah, well, we will test this theory on our bonus podcast. Uh, do you have do it's you have symbolic the in action? Instead of doing something about the prisoners, as Babyo originally volunteers himself and Poe, but the dead guys are white, hence the racial slurs. They instead tie bags over the heads of the pilot and most of the prisoners to. Just trade them off. While this is going on, Poe manages to sneak a tape recorder onto one of the guards to alert people down on the ground. And while these things are getting handled, Pinball sneaks off to hide the transponder elsewhere. Danny Trejo aggressively threatens the only female guard in a way which is very uncomfortable. Please stop calling him Danny Trejo in reference to these horrible actions. <laughs> Danny Trejo would never do this. Uh, true. Danny Trejo would pretend to do them, but make sure that he was as despicable as possible to separate the actual Danny Trejo. Or Danny Trejo sure. from the... The actual Donny Osmond from... <laughs> God damn it. In Carson City... Okay, Don, get... Donnie and Marie went weird places. Oh yeah, I did. What else do we get in Carson City but more fucking characters? God, finally. There just there weren't enough. It's <laughs> they like, killed a few nameless passengers, so it's like, ah, oh, gotta bring on some more people. Yes, I mean... Battle Royale had less characters than this. But wait, who's that in the distance? <laughs> yes. Well, our primary characters that we get from this transfer are MC Ganey as... Earl Swamp Thing Williams. Who I don't care. Knows how to fly a plane. Rinoli Santiago, who is credited as Rinoli, as Ramon Martinez, nicknamed Sally Can't Dance, who is handled poorly. I, I really couldn't tell what they were going for with this character, but don't care. Keep transphobia. Going. <laughs> they were going for transphobia. Oh, is that what they were? Is that what they were going for? That figures. Yeah. I mean. Anyways, played keep going. by a cis male actor. That sucks. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> All right. I don't want to. I'll hear tell that you what you anymore. want to hear. We yes. get yes. the horrible serial killer, one of the worst of the bunch. The absolute Garland Green, uh, the scum of humankind. Yes, Garland Green, who is brought on, of course, in like full face mask and straight jacket. And Hold on, Hannibal Lecter. I but did not, who is I, it? I, because of all this, I didn't know who it was at yes. first. Yeah, me neither. It's our good old friend, Steve Buscemi. Steven Buscemi. I'll be honest, when I saw that it was him, I messaged Ben immediately just to share <laughs> my relief. Uh, I, he had come I saw in to his name in the opening movie. credits, and I was like, oh, it's our friend. It's your friend and mine, Steve Buscemi. But then I forgot that he was supposed to be in the movie up until that point. <laughs> then when he was unmasked and it was good old Steven, I was, I was freaking out. Yes, I mean, 
I'll say it right here and now. Steve Buscemi is the best part of this movie, and he contributes absolutely nothing. He's so underutilized. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut him. Why does this character exist? Did and just, nothing like... would change. But he is there, and he is fantastic. I, I love you, Stephen Buscemi, oh, I... but I don't know why you're in this movie. <laughs> to save us. Uh... Like, make like, it like yeah, your fun Leonard Skinner trivia is great and all that, but like, <laughs> didn't need it. Yes, I love I love those those golden pipes of yours, but I think the movie would have been the same without him too. <laughs> no, it, that, that's just what every movie needs. That's true. Every that's movie could use a little Stevie B. Uh, that that ain't the goddamn truth. But for, fortunately for us, uh, he's here. In the flesh. Uh, well, he's locked up, actually, and he's he doesn't say anything, and he's just sort of <laughs> in That's the cage. Just, he doesn't say anything for, like, the first half of his appearance. He's just there. He's just soaking it in. Yeah. And just as we in the audience are taking him in. Except at this point, I still didn't realize it was him. <laughs> Defined irony. Bunch of idiots dancing on a plane to a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash. Pinball has placed the transponder in a passenger plane and is distracted by a pretty lady. So when Con Air takes off, he is left to run beside it. And he is seemingly left behind. Seemingly? Yes, seemingly. They also decide to let... Garland Green out just for the hell of it. He looks so lonely in there. Uh, I'll, I'll a, be good, a, a couple scenes later, him. like, Poe just looks over to the side, and he's sitting across the aisle. She's like, hi, Garland. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got these cons. No guards except for the female one, so that we can have a damsel in distress. Oh, good. Thank God. And... I mean, it's a good thing that the main character has a wife, though, so it's not like he's going to be doing anything weird there. True. Well, I mean, the joke is he goes and kisses her later for some reason. I mean, I thought she kissed him, but... Yeah, she kissed him. Oh, okay. He certainly Still wasn't weird. complaining. Now, Larkin and Malloy get into an argument over whose fault this is, as it is discovered by now that the cons have taken over the airline. Malloy and his people go what off a, by what helicopter. What a bout of irony. Yeah, Malloy and his people go off by helicopter to follow the transponder. And I'll be so honest, I was so relieved because I thought they were going to just blow up this tourist plane. <laughs> yeah. I wholly expected it from this movie. Would have been funny. It would have been disturbing. It would have been disturbing. But, I mean, considering... I don't know if this is something that's been established up until this point. Considering what a propensity this film has for explosions and things getting destroyed, uh, you could say this was quite a bit of restraint on their part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's also at this point that Larkin meets up with Poe's wife to talk about why Poe didn't get off the plane in Carson City. Speaking of Poe, he's sent by Cyrus to go figure out what's trapped in... In the plane, as something in the landing gear is weighing them down, and they're something. not going to make it to their exp they're not going to make it to their destination on time. And as it turns out, it's our good old friend Pinball, who just uh, got Dave. Fucking... Davey, what happened to you? Well, he got jammed in the landing gear. Well, only one thing to do with the dead Dave. <laughs> yep. Who's up for some Chappelle mail? <laughs> yeah, toss him out the fucking plane. With and a secret message. Yes. Uh, it just, fortunately, he had a pen on him. So Poe just writes down their destination and throws the body out of the plane. <coughs> Get out of here, you. <laughs> and then there's this wonderful green screen shot of him just <laughs> sailing through the air. Yes, and he he falls onto a car, and somehow from that height isn't liquidated among impact. Yeah. He's a sturdy boy. Yeah, so Larkin gets the message, and fucking just 
speeds off to Nevada. When, when you get some Chappelle mail, you gotta listen. You gotta heed the call. That, when you know they've splurged for the Chappelle mail. Oh, they got me the Chappelle mail? <laughs> oh, God, this must be urgent. Fuck. <laughs> Now, while people are poking around in the lower portion of the plane, Billy discovers Poe's little box of personal effects, which includes his letter of parole and the bunny, which Poe is very upset about him touching. Put the bunny back in the box. I knew you was a punk, and I was right. You've been playing us all along. You a free man. I said, put the bunny back. Because of this, we get a fight scene, but the room is like half the size of both of the actors, so they're crouching awkwardly the whole time while they're trying to make it cool, and it doesn't really work. It's creative, I guess. I guess. But, like, if nothing else, the whole the majority of the movie being set on an airplane is a fairly creative space, which I think is generally utilized in a fairly yeah, fairly manner. well. Yeah, it's not horrible. It, Billy Bedlam is impaled on a loose pipe. Very big he, trouble he in told Little him, China. And told him to put down the bunny. Told him to yeah. put the bunny back in the box, and he didn't. Why couldn't you put the bunny back in the box? Well, Steve and Buscemi... now he has more, more blood on his hands. <laughs> yeah. Whoops, Steve Buscemi is the murder. only person that notices that Billy didn't come back up from the cargo hold. That's just that's just the kind of guy he is. He's a people person. That's the thing, and he philosophizes for a while about the nature of good and evil. And no one really listens. That's the thing, like, Poe gets into this argument, and they eventually land at this airstrip. However, there is no sign of the other aircraft. Poe manages to bluff regarding their contacts' unscrupulous behavior. So, John Malkovich just tells them to fuel, dig up the plane, which they pretty much just crashed, and prepare for takeoff. So, right now, Baby O's having a bit of a shock from lack of insulin, so Poe goes to find him a syringe and runs into Larkin, who... He has a bit of an argument with until Larkin reminds him of his wife, who he loves very dearly. Uh, while Steve Buscemi just wanders off and just God, goes to a know, trailer park. Sometimes where... you do. Yeah, he ends up in a trailer park where he hangs out in an empty swimming pool and has a tea party what with a little girl. Fast and loose with like whether we're calling them by their character names or their actor <laughs> names. I know. I mean, let's be honest with this cast. That's true. Honestly, I think the only one of their names that I... They're the only one of the character names that I know offhand would be Cyrus. Yeah. Anyways, go and, ahead. Yeah, Green just has a tea party with this girl. And it cuts back to it. This whole sequence lasts like 20 minutes. Where they just intermittently... building up to like, okay, he's gonna kill her. Yeah, he's gonna kill this little girl. He's gonna do something depraved. Yeah, because... Like, he's just kind of sitting there awkwardly talking with her, saying he's sick and can't be cured. And then he sings a song with her. And he's like, oh, man, how sick is it going to be when they're just, they're singing this, they're singing the whole world in his hands together, and it's like, oh, that's probably going to lead up to him doing something real twisted. But, no, I'll just spoil it. Like, once this whole upcoming sequence is over, you, like, see the girl's dolls abandoned. So you think something horrible has happened, but he just shows up back at the plane, and we see her, and she's fine. <laughs> Why is this character in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> He's like the ultimate, most twisted guy in the movie. They played it up this whole time, and he doesn't do anything. <laughs> because he's fantastic. 
What were they doing with this character? Do you think they wrote it with Steve Buscemi in mind? Because I can't think of anyone else playing this role. Yeah, me neither. I don't, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. Yes. Are you sick? Why do you ask? You look sick. I am sick. You take medicine? There is no medicine for what I have. Wanna sing? Sing? Do you know he's got the whole world in his hands? Yes, I do. He's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole wide world. Anyways, while that's all going on... Yeah, while that's all going on, they discover that their contact was going to screw them over, so Cyrus kills him. Man, he loves that. Yeah. I mean, he just, like... There's a destroyed plane, and he throws a match on it, and it explodes, and nobody looks at it. Ah, uh, he has this sick line where he, the other guy's trying to say Cyrus, but he only says Cy, and then he goes, Anara! And then oh. he throws his lit cigarette on him. Like, damn, how fast do you have to be on your feet to do that? I, I think <laughs> like, he had that one first syllable up, of your name. Probably. Like, he's like, fuck, I just, I need someone to say my name, and I gotta just yeah, fucking shit, nail shit, it. Shit. First oh. syllable, let it go. Yes. I have to hope that they immediately, like, once they hear me speak, like, oh shit, I better shut up and just yeah. stop there. Because <laughs> if they were to go Cyrus and he were to keep going R, they'd be like, what? <laughs> what did you say? They'd <laughs> be like, oh, just never mind. <laughs> By now, the DEA agents and the National Guard have shown up, and there's this huge, like, shootout between the army and the cons, where a lot of people die. Yeah, the cops just sort of, they mosey on into this hallway filled with propane tanks. (laughs) Yeah, as you do. (laughs) Seems like a great idea. Very simple. This is the boneyard. This is the hangar. This is our plane. What's that? That's a rock. Okay. Meanwhile, the rapist has been trying to assault you can't even, the only we don't female even, guard. Not even Trejo or whatever his name is. Now it's just the rapist. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't deserve a name. <laughs> All right. I mean, he's trying to assault the female guard. But Poe saves her, and they, like, just handcuff him to one of the cages, and by the time all the cons are back on the plane, they just don't even mention it. <laughs> I yeah, I think any of them liked him, so... They were all thinking it. They managed to take off. They are heading off for parts unknown. It's only here that Cyrus realizes... That, wait, somebody has been fucking us over this whole time. <laughs> huh. Yeah. So they discover Poe's parole letter. Maybe the one person who, like, isn't in cahoots with us? Yeah, maybe. my daddy... Make a move and the bunny gets it. Yes, the federal agents are on helicopters in pursuit. They damage the plane. They have a whole debate over whether or not to just shoot it down, like over the fucking Grand Canyon or something. But because Poe's on it, they decide not to. And instead, they're just going to let it crash into fucking Las Vegas. Did you know it's his daughter's birthday? That'd be <laughs> yeah, fucked it's up. It's his daughter's him birthday. And that's the well, day like, he's coming home, too. I think Larkin's justification is he doesn't want to destroy the plane. He's like, that's yeah. my plane. <laughs> it's his toy. Yeah. You don't want people busting your toy. You can't lie. Ugh. Boys and their toys. So yeah, so, Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, here, Viva baby. Las Vegas, baby. City of dreams or angels? City of LA. City of neon or something like that. City of angels is LA. (laughs) Yep, sure is. It's in the name Los Angeles. Oh shit! Wait, (laughs) (laughs) wait a second. God damn! This whole time, huh? Jesus Christ! (laughs) Wait, they have to crash. On the fucking Las Vegas Strip instead of going to the airport. Or we get a whole scene where everyone's freaking out. But Steve Chevy is just singing. He's got the whole world in his hands at the top of his lungs. 
Yeah. And this is his greatest contribution to the film. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is fantastic. Like, I am in love with this character. Oh no. It's also his his action of the most consequence throughout the film, probably. <laughs> exactly. The plane crashes, and... Las Vegas you know, is destroyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is it? Like, the Sands Hotel? I think so. Yeah, it's destroyed. It was actually getting torn down at the time. I think they used actual demolition footage. That's pretty good, actually. Well, yeah. I mean, a good way to take advantage of the situation. But, yeah, no, lots of explosions in this film. Yeah. Especially around this point. The rapist is killed. Nobody gives a shit. I do, I do have to admit, the part where they go and discover his body, and it's like, you, he's, he's handcuffed to the ceiling, so he's just sort of like, pointed downwards, and then they take his body off, but his arm is still there. Yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was I good. thought that was pretty cool. That, yeah. that was good. I gotta say. I'll be honest, I wasn't paying as much attention as I should have, so when the credits rolled around, it was just like, oh shit, that was Danny Trejo. Fuck. <laughs> Amazon sure let me know. So, if you want to keep tabs on who's who, may I recommend Amazon next time? I well, don't know any actors, as evidenced by when uh, Vince Larkin's credit came up, and I was like, that was John Cusack? <laughs> I didn't recognize him either. Neither did honest. I. I mean, <laughs> the only John Cusack movie I think I've actually seen was Being John Malkovich. Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what John Malkovich looks like either, so I didn't recognize him in this movie. <laughs> speaking of John Malkovich. Yeah. Speaking of John Malkovich. They, He's getting away. Yeah, the police are there. They're rounding everyone up. Poe's just, like, fucking allowed... To walk free. I mean, Baby O gets loaded onto an ambulance after they had this whole fake out, oh, I'm gonna die. I I think he actually got shot at one point. Yeah, he did. He super does. After finally receiving his insulin, he gets shot shot right after. (laughs) And I'll admit, I was a little relieved that they didn't actually just kill off the black friend just to give the white guy motivation. Yeah. Well, after they I mean, brought him back from the brink of death, I I guess it served the same narrative purpose, but they didn't go all the way. Yeah, he doesn't really serve a whole lot of purpose. Also, the female guard kisses Poe, even though his wife and child are, like, right there. Is right there. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of which, she gets to meet them. Yeah. For about... That's, that's like, the whole point of for this. For, like, 30 seconds before... Cyrus, Diamond Dog, and Swamp Thing. They got a fire truck. Yeah, they they just steal a freaking fire truck, as you do. <laughs> they just left those leaving they just left those lying around. Yeah, and Larkin and Poe just steal some police motorcycles and chase after them. Down Las Vegas. It's an, a bunch a of bullshit of happens. And an amazing chase scene. Yeah, it's certainly a chase scene. At this point, I just wanted the fucking movie to end. A bunch of people die. A bunch of people die. By a bunch of people, I just mean the convicts. Yep. Diamond Dog dies. Uh, Swamp Thing dies, I think. Yeah. And Cyrus is, like, handcuffed to the ladder, gets thrown through, like, one of those glass bridges, falls into a junkyard... Yes, is electrocuted. No, electrocuted. Falls Someone into a junkyard. Underneath, <laughs> like a... What underneath... Which, by the way, I, like I should mention, Amazon was very pleased to tell me it's a bit unrealistic that they would have a junkyard like this in the middle of Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> like, thank, thank you, Amazon. And there's, like, this stone crusher that he ends up right underneath. And, of course, when he, like, focuses and sees what he's underneath, it falls down and he's dead. It's what he Which deserves. I mean, they, they certainly went all in on their villain death this time. <laughs> they did. <laughs> so, like, I was, I was wondering when it was going to stop. Like, 
well, he went flying through the roof. It's like, okay, he's dead then. Then he gets electrocuted. It's like, oh, okay, now he's dead. And then I saw him on the conveyor belt. It's like, okay, I get it. I thought there were like, I legitimately thought that it was like two or three different people. <laughs> it's like it's after a while, all of these dirty dead. white guys start to look the same. <laughs> they are very dirty, very shirtless a lot of the time too. But Poe shows that he respects Larkin and. His wife and child arrive. Fortunately, like, the bunny's just, like, floating by in drainage, and he manages to save it before it goes down the sewer. So, he gives That'd be Casey some the bunny. It shit. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure you want to give it to her, but she takes it, and they're a family now. Here's your fucking sewer bunny. <laughs> yeah, here's your... He wipes it off on his shirt. <laughs> He does. Here. On his grimy... This is an example of what you should expect from me. And this child is just frightened of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> she must not be familiar with his work. God. Move or perhaps she is. I got a present for you, Casey. No dirty. Casey, sweetie, you take your daddy's present now. No, 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 honey, it's okay. I got a picture. A picture of you. I got a picture of you, too. And we see before we cut to credits that Steve Buscemi has escaped and is living the high life as a gambler in Vegas. Yeah. All, <laughs> the, all the other criminals who did not die, we see wheeled off by the police. But he is still living it up with no consequence. Throughout this movie, he does not do one bad thing. We are simply told that yeah, he is I mean, a terrible yeah, and like, the most despicable individual in this film. Yeah, we've been told that he killed 30 people in a way that makes the Manson family look tame. He's but, called... They and, call him the Marietta Mangler. And he does not do one bad thing the whole movie, and he gets off scot-free. He has a happy ending. Exactly, <laughs> and I love it. Good for him. He's like he's like cleaning up, wheeling and dealing at Vegas. Yeah, he's got he's the babes the all life. over him. He does. And it's like, do you guys remember what you wrote this character to be? Yeah. I mean, I've heard it like like the guy who ju- the guy who just killed a couple people, you just fucking sent him through a glass building, you electrocuted him, and then you put him under a press. And then you have what you make out to be the most despicable criminal in all of humankind. You just, <laughs> you give him a happy ending. I mean, Like, okay, you do pipes. you, I guess, but... He does. I've seen it theorized that his talk with Poe about morality got to him, and he decided to be good, but... Maybe that's just people reading <laughs> okay. too much into the movie. I think you are. And I'm I'm, oh, that's I'm the just end of the reciting movie too, huh? what I've heard. That's the end of the movie, huh? Yeah, that that's how it ends. Yeah. New shooter coming out. New shooter. Does the new shooter feel lucky? Well, does he? Yes. Yes, he does. This movie was actually like kind of a hit. No shit. Like it had a budget of seventy-five million. It grossed two hundred and twenty-four million. Oh wow! It seemed like I don't know if it was just all the explosions and destruction uh, giving me that impression, but it seemed fairly high budget. Yeah, I mean, this was the late nineties, so this was like when Michael expensive. Bay was starting to make a name for himself and get big. Right. Yeah, it definitely has that vibe. Yeah, that whole genre of filmmaking. It, for better, for worse. You know what? This film actually got Oscar nominations. Yeah, I, 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 I did hear that. Yeah. It was nominated for Best Sound and for Best Original Song for How Do I Live, as performed by Which, I mean, Trisha Yearwood. It was a cover, right? Yeah, it was a cover. Like, it's not, it's not really. I mean, a, does that still qualify as an original a, song, then? I think that it was... Okay, so it was written for the film. Was but... it? Yes. But it was covered by Leanne Rimes, who at the time was like 14 realize. and became a big hit. Wow. 
needless to say, it did not win Best Original Song or Best Sound, because this was the year that Titanic was released. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah, so, no chance for literally anything else. It also, appropriately enough, How Do I Live got the Academy Award nomination for Best Original Song. It also got a nomination at the Golden Raspberry Awards for Worst Original Song. It did not win. However, it did win for Worst Reckless Disregard for Human Life and Public Property. <laughs> that's that's a very well-deserved one. Yes. I will say that this is a fair assessment, but fuck the Raspberry Awards. They're, they're just bad. They're low-hanging yeah. fruit. They're not nearly as clever as they think they are. You want to know what won, like, three of those things? The Shining. They literally just... I mean, I I guess you only have so much material to work with that you're like, fuck, gotta try to think of something funny. Yeah, I mean, not even funny. They just hate on whatever's popular at the time. Yeah. Criticizing Adam Sandler isn't going to be considered clever, guys. It got mixed reviews. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 55% approval rating. Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars. Huh. <laughs> yeah, there's not too much else to say. John Cusack refuses to talk about it. Hmm. Oh my god. No. Steve Buscemi probably doesn't remember it, because he didn't do a whole yeah, lot. He does a lot more. Oh, wait, shit, 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 I missed this. The director who went on to do Laura Croft Tomb Raider and The Expendables mm. 2. Ah, that checks out. <laughs> He actually directed something that a lot of people have seen. A certain music video this? for one Rick Astley. Hmm, which, whichever music video could this be? I am not joking. Uh, this is legitimately... Oh, it's, it's together forever, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's together forever. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the writer went on to do High Fidelity, Gone in 60 Seconds... He rewrote the new Jumanji movie. Jerry Bruckheimer went on to do a lot of TV. He, like, produced all of the CSIs in The Amazing Race, Pirates of the Caribbean, National Treasure. So he didn't leave his good old friend Nick behind. Thank God. Who could? Naturally, this movie's following is pretty much entirely traced back to the internet. Just... Yeah? How much of it is... This weird dialogue, this completely off-the-walls plot, this... All of this bullshit. I mean, it ties into the following Nick Cage has in general. But this may exemplify it the most. And I'll be honest, I did not like this movie. Uh, By the way, it wasn't until uh, after I had watched it that I realized that the whole reason we were doing it in the first place, unbeknownst to me, because I certainly would have said something if I had known... Was a Homestuck thing. Fuck you, Ben. We were legitimately not going to bring it up at all. The the gag was going to be that we don't mention it. Uh, but I didn't know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't know because I don't read it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think now that you brought it me, up, I, I may as know. well mention it. Yes, the film actually plays a large role in Homestuck. I don't know. How does it... What the fuck does that mean? What even... I don't fucking get it. Uh, it's like uh, the lead uh, character has characters. a fondness for bad movies, and Con Air is his favorite. They reference the put the bunny back in the box and the family reunion scene several times, and a minor character can't is, believe you guys. A minor character is even named Casey in explicit reference. I can't believe you guys made me do a Homestuck thing this whole time. <laughs> Uh, to be honest, it would have been better if you never noticed. No, it wouldn't, because I would have had, I would have had to live with the knowledge that this whole time, it's like it's it's, it's like if someone, it's it, it's like those pictures of when someone's like commissioned to draw them a character like shopping for white bread, <laughs> not knowing that it's a fetish. Shit, I would have had that guilt this whole time that someday I would have discovered that you guys made me do a Homestuck thing and I had no idea. And then think about the level of trust between us and how that would have totally dropped. You know how there's no trust between us to begin with. 
I thought we'd brought that up before. That, like, we were gonna do it, and it was gonna be... No. The joke was we weren't going Mere, to mention Mere, Homestuck. No, 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 we we brought it up. The joke was that we were going to do it and not tell Ben. Oh. Hmm. You guys are motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's I actually like considered a point of major character development when the lead realizes that Con Air is a bad movie. <laughs> and it is. I did not you know like what? this movie. I see the appeal. I think it's a bit... Even as someone who kind of appreciates these sort of goofy, dumb over-the-top action movies, I don't think it's necessarily my kind of thing. It's maybe more grungy than yeah, I like, would like. Was... God, I mean... There were certainly things I didn't like about it, but... Like all the racism. Also, yeah. And the violence against women, and, uh... Yeah. But I was also entertained, and, uh, there were... Yeah, I can see... There were a lot of I parts where, the... where that had me laughing, intentionally or otherwise... Yeah, I can see where any potential fascination would come from, yeah, I mean, to be honest. There are, I don't think it's necessarily my thing. There are some movies... But I, I get it, I think. There are some movies where I am legitimately envious of the cast, because I know I will never have that much fun in my life. <laughs> and Con Air is one of John them. John Malkovich, he was fucking... John Malkovich was having a fucking hell There's of a John time. Malkovich, Nick Cage, Steve Buscemi. I mean, they're already like a golden trio. <laughs> and so I mean I'm not as down on it as Jacob. It's not something I'd probably be rewatching anytime soon. Uh, yeah. But like I get it, I think. I mean like I said, Steepy Shemi legitimately saved this movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. It may just uh, be sure like this, this... I am not a very manly person. Or I am not manly <laughs> at all, as you can tell by literally everything I have ever said and done in my life. And this movie is, like, you could, like, distill this movie and sell it as testosterone. <laughs> There's certainly that air of machismo about it, I suppose. Like I said, I think it's part of, like, that, that grunginess I mentioned before. It just doesn't necessarily click with me as much. Yeah, and, and if that's your thing, then good on you. Like, I think it's I think it's worth a shot. Yeah, I, you might, I can see, I can understand if you disagree, but I think that... There might be like potential appeal in it if yeah, it's just kind of a look depressing this, thing when it's eleven p.m. You have work the next morning, <laughs> but that's something that we impose upon ourselves yeah. here at If Symbolic. The, the things we do for you. That's going to be all we do for uh, you this that, that time. Then. Thank you for listening to It's Symbolic. If you have anything you would like to talk to us about, be it suggestion, criticism, whatever, we are available on Twitter at It's Symbolic PC or through email at It's Symbolic Podcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram at It's Symbolic Podcast if you want to see a lot of testosterone and manliness and all that jazz. Explosions. Beautiful flowing hair. Las Vegas being destroyed. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to talk about the human beauty of Nicolas Cage. It's a look that he should consider maintaining in the future, True. if you ask me. But. Yeah. It's certainly a look. I'm not sure what kind of look. I mean, I guess you can't beat classic Nick either. Yeah. No matter how you're listening to us, be it through iTunes, be it through Spotify, be it through a message dropped on a body that fell from the sky... Be sure to like and review and subscribe, all that stuff. Because that's what helps. That's what helps the algorithms. That's what helps us improve. That's what helps us as people. And you want to help us, don't you? Anyway, I'm Jacob. I'm here. I'm Ben. Join us next time when we discover one simple trick to improve your piano playing skills fast. Is it Groundhog Day? <laughs> oh, shit. That's... I mean that's not really I mean, fast. It wouldn't feel depending fast, on but... how you depending on how you look at it.
Well, it's a matter of perspective. Yeah, from whose perspective yeah. are we talking? For someone else, it'd be... For anyone else's perspective, it's like... Instantaneous, would... but... Yeah. Can't get faster than that, baby. Though I wouldn't... I don't recommend voluntarily putting yourself in a groundhog day. Space <laughs> time... That sort of feels counterintuitive Space to the point of... Space time hate him. Maybe we should try... Well, how about, like, in the back of your mind, you prep your appreciation for your family and your life and all that, so you can sort of break out of it whenever you want, maybe? Cyrus, this is your barbecue, man, and it tastes good.